the Gospel of John chapter 1. The last time we were together, we ended in verse 29. So what we will do is read from verse 29 to 34. And it reads, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I told you about. After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he existed before me. I did not know him, but I came baptizing with water so he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he rested on him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water told me, the one you see, the Spirit descending and resting on, He is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. John, the writer of this Gospel, was a disciple of John the Baptist. He would have been one of the first of all the apostles to have seen Jesus and accompany him during his ministry. I do agree that we need all four of the Gospels in order to get a more complete picture of the ministry of Jesus. However, even after knowing that John's Gospel was written around 90 AD, some 20 years after the latest Gospel account I like John's recollection of a particular event that we see here in these verses, the baptism of Jesus. It would be too easy to read through the event and not take into account what it is God is doing with the biblical persons we also see involved in the scene. I see it to be very important to consider the event that brought John the Baptist to the position to finally say, and I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. And I would also beg to consider that the living God would have the Gospel writer to see with his own eyes and to later record what it was that he saw making his gospel that much more important so you and I would have an account which would give us in detail the security to our salvation. When John recorded in his gospel, there in chapter 20, verse 31, John wrote this, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, all three one and the same, and that by believing you may have life in his name. It was the entire gospel from beginning to end that he accomplished just that. Let me share with you a portion of what it was that I realized as I read through these particular six verses. When we read verses 29 to 34, we see that unlike the previous three gospels, John did not write about the wilderness account in his gospel. Instead, he recorded for us, as from verse 29, the events immediately after Jesus returns from the wilderness. When we consider John's omission of the wilderness account, do we get a better understanding of his narrative? 
According to the information given to us here in verse 33, it reads, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. It was only after the baptism of Jesus that John bore witness of what God had previously told him. John knew from that time and not before that it was his cousin, Jesus, to whom God was referring. So, when we read these six verses, the chronological order would go something like this, starting with verse 33, not 29. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and resting on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. We then would go to verse 32. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. It is now that we would read from 29 to 31, like this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, this is he whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water, ending with verse 34, and I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. I really wanted to continue on and give you more of the chapter, even finishing the chapter, but I saw something within these verses that blessed me and I wanted to share it with you concerning how I noticed the way God prepared John the writer of this gospel so that he would have an account that would be set apart from the other gospels. I saw how God dealt with John the Baptist, and I noticed the importance of what God allowed John to do. And lastly, understanding the mark of the security to our salvation, mainly speaking of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We see that the wilderness account is written in the other three Gospels but not of much interest for John to record the event in his gospel. The episode where Jesus is led out by the Holy Spirit immediately after his baptism for the course of 40 days in order to be tempted by the devil himself. I believe it is for this reason that John chose to leave the entire account out of his gospel. Let me explain. We should take note that to first be tempted, there must be a desire of ill intention within the core of man of which the devil himself or his minions could take hold and hence tempt you with it. In the epistle written by James, he writes to explain what temptation is. There in James chapter 1 verse 14, it reads, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. In Jesus, there was found no intention of the heart for selfish evil desire. It was Jesus our Lord proving time and time again that he is the Christ. 
the one, the only one, worthy and pleasing in the sight of God the Father Almighty. The Apostle Paul will write in his letter to the Romans, there in chapter 3, verse 25. It reads, God presented him, speaking of Jesus, an atoning sacrifice as a propitiation in his blood, receiving through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. But in his restraint, God passed over the sins that were previously committed. Only perfection can please God. And for the very reason that we are imperfect beings, we are to make effort to remove ourselves from the religion that demands perfection out of us. Not only for that reason do I believe John purposely, uh, purposely left out the wilderness account, but also for the reason that it was Jesus alone whom was found to be worthy to purchase with his life the return of all of creation, the earth, and all of its inhabitants having primary interest in being mankind. For we are the ones made in the image of God. That's you and me. As it were, all of creation was passed over into the hands of the wicked one, the devil. Since the time man had decided to follow their own heart, this is the reason why death is even part of the existence that we now live. It's father, the devil, is in charge. Be that as it may, the plan God had for the gospel writer would include an entire life to be as a living testimony to and for the very Son of God that John the Baptist came to proclaim. Everything was recorded for us. It would be this same John that would write for us the revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, a proclamation stating that only Jesus is perfect. There in Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, let me read it for you. And the writer of the gospel, also writing the revelation of Jesus Christ, says this. Chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw John having a personal account, visually, and recorded it. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with the seven seals. That scroll is the title deed to all of creation, including the earth. John continues, Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll, to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even look at it. No one was worthy to undo what it is the devil has begun. So I wept much, John wrote. And I can only imagine. At this point, there is no hope for you and me. At this point, the devil has won. Death will continue. You will be born. You will live, have relationships, have loved ones die up to this point. Pain and suffering will continue up until this point. And of course, John wept. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or even look at it. But... And that is the largest, greatest conjunction you'll ever have in your life. But I am a failure. I was and probably always will be. But, and that's my story. 
Just as the many of you, very possibly, could be in that category, you need to know you have that conjunction in your life that will change it forever. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold. And when we read that word behold, as I've said before, anywhere in the Bible, it is in fact to proclaim that there is nothing of greater intensity than what is about to be said. When the Bible says, Behold, get ready to read that which is intense. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, one and the same, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Back to the Gospel of John. Jesus was the only one, is the only one, worthy. There is only one who is worthy and only one who is able to rescue and protect us. That is what the gospel writer is telling us. My purpose in showing you this is to tell you Jesus wasn't tempted as it is the same Bible tells us man is tempted. We can understand better what God the Father was doing with Jesus in the wilderness when we see what the writer of the letter to the Hebrews says about Jesus. There in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, he wrote this, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Therefore, the passage would read better like this. Jesus was sent to the wilderness to be tested, to learn obedience, not to be tempted. So it makes sense to me why John would leave the wilderness account out of his gospel. God had many events other than the wilderness account that John would see and record for us in order to demonstrate that Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, there in verse 31, Let's focus for a moment on John the Baptist. John said, I knew him not. It is likely that John had never met or even had seen Jesus until the moment that God revealed him during the baptism scene. There is not enough evidence to support that they were together at any given time of their lives. Jesus spent the majority of his life in Nazareth, where John spent all of his life in Jerusalem, the Judean wilderness, and the lower Jordan River Valley, which kept them separated for the duration of their lives, some 100 kilometers or 60 miles apart. John states his mission here in verse 31, I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. This, his mission in life, which was exactly what was told to his father that it would be. So many years prior to this moment, you find that account in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 8 through 17. You can read that on your own time. However, I would comment on what was written about how John would do the work that the Lord had for him. It is as important as knowing the actual work the Lord would have for you because it is the only method by which the work of God can and will be performed. Luke chapter 1 verse 16 and 17 reads this. 
the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, tells the father of Joseph, that's father of John, Zacharias, he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. John was asked if he was Elijah there in verse 21 you recall and they asked him the priests and the Levites who came to question him what then are you Elijah to which John answered no I am not yet the Bible says that he came in the spirit and power of Elijah which can only mean that John the Baptist allowed himself to be used by the same one that Elijah allowed. Coming in the spirit and power of Elijah does not mean that we will do what the Bible says Elijah did. It means that we are just as able as Elijah and John the Baptist was to allow God to be the master of our lives. When we read about Elijah in the Old Testament, what we learn about him is that he was unsuccessful at putting himself first. When Jesus is the Lord of your life, you are no longer first in it. Rather, he is. That is exactly the kind of man and woman God is looking for. That the Lord might show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. The power that Elijah and John the Baptist had. We at Pat Gould for Christ Ministries encourage you to read through your Bible. When you do, you will see that a common theme written throughout the Bible is that God never expected us to do his work. In contrast, he has always done his own work and has chosen to use us to do it. The Bible does not have record of God using angels or anything else to perform the task of his primary work. And what is that primary work? To tell the good news about the Son of God, Jesus, to see and testify that this is the Son of God. Have you asked yourself what it is that God would have you to do in life? Or have you chosen to go to a man or woman or some other means other than the Word of God? If that has been the method that you have grown used to or that you were taught, I would like you to see this that we have here. As we will see through John's Gospel and throughout the Bible, those that are truly of God only point you to God for answers. And you will only find God through the Son of God. I encourage you that are Christian, as well as all others out there, to listen. Too many people are in worship to the Lord with their lips, but their hearts belong to themselves. This is believer and non-believer. None of this is pleasing or acceptable to the living God. As I'm reading on my personal time, the book of Isaiah, I happen to have passed there chapter 29. And look what I read just the other day. How fitting it was to what we were learning today. Isaiah chapter 29 verse 13. Isaiah is recording what punishment Jerusalem God's people, God's city is going to go through and for what purpose God is going to punish them. It says here, the Lord said, 
Because these people approach me with their mouths to honor me with lip service, yet their hearts are far from me, and their worship consists of man-made rules learned by rote. Do you know what rote means? R-O-T-E. I had to look it up. And this is what it says. Rote. The use of memory, usually with little intelligence. Mechanical or unthinking routine or repetition. To fix in the memory by means of frequent repetition ourselves or by hearing the repetition of others without an effort of the understanding to comprehend what is being repeated. Brothers and sisters, friends, this is the way, the methodology of religion. Becoming an expert at what you do to worship and yet have no understanding of why you do what you are doing, other than because you were told to do so. John's father taught John to seek the Lord. His father, who was a priest himself, taught him the way to do it, which was exactly as God himself told the people of his day how it should be done. The ways of Judaism were the ways of the people, the ways to follow and hear from God. John obeyed God's plan for his life, and the result was that it was John whom God used to usher in who it was that would not only bring an end to the faithful practices of Judaism, but also at the same time reveal to the world why they as a people were even performing these rites and ceremonies that knit them together as the most beautiful people in the world. Matthew will write in his gospel there in chapter 5 verse 17. He'll write Jesus saying, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. Do you want to see God do his work in your life? Then obey him with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind. The living God most certainly wants you to know him. It was him that made it possible for us to know him and to know him intimately. It is he, the one that made the way clear for you so that we could come to him and live. The background of John the Baptist was told to you so that you would see the essential points that I see here in our passage. John the Baptist has tested and has come to understand for himself that what was told to him was in fact from the living God. Not because he forced himself to believe it, not because he forced himself to believe what others told him to believe, but because he himself tested and found the evidence to be true concerning the perfect plan of the living God. John the Baptist had been given proof without shadow of doubt that it is him, Jesus, who is the Son of God. There in verse 33, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Bringing us into our next and final point of interest, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The very mark granting us acceptance into heaven, fellowship with the living God, and nothing more. 
let's talk briefly about what John the Baptist means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. John has recorded for us what I see to be the key element to confirming your salvation. I've seen too many Christian, usually part of an organization, a denomination, they come to some point in their lives that say, I don't know if I'm saved. You don't know if you're saved. What a dangerous life it was prior to that moment. It is not only believing that Jesus is God. That's not it. For the epistle that James would write clearly stated there in chapter 2, verse 19, he wrote, you believe that God is one? Good for you. Even the demons believe that and they shudder and tremble. I see that in the church today, the baptism of the Holy Spirit has been misrepresented in its understanding, which I fear has been the cause of many a Christian to fall by the wayside, abandoning the straight path that God has set for us in his word, the Bible. Solomon would write Proverbs chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. He said this, Carefully consider the path for your feet, and all your ways will be established. He went on to say, do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. That evil is any misrepresentation of that which is good. And according to the Bible, only God is good. And because of what we saw there in the first verse of chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Therefore, if the Word is God, then that which is evil is the misrepresentation of not only Him, but of what He said. The misrepresentation of being baptized with the Holy Spirit is not only all too common among Christians today, but the incorrect teaching seems to have become the normal teaching which is being used to mold new Christians. Regardless of what we see the Bible to say, if the instruction of the Bible is set aside on this matter, then we cannot expect our new Christian brothers and sisters to grow in the direction of maturity. The letter written to the Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 14, said this, But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil, between that which represents the living God to that which misrepresents his spoken word. When John announced that he himself baptizes with water, there in verse 26, John answered them saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. He said it in the same context as saying, that which I do is only with water, or it is only water by which I baptize, a superficial act, nothing more. By definition, that which is superficial is that which is shallow, not deep or profound, reaching or comprehending only what is obvious to the sight of or located near the surface, that which does not penetrate below the surface, affecting only the surface. He went on to say in verse 33, He who sent me to baptize with water said to me, 
upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist said that his own work could not grant to you entrance into the kingdom of God. He said that his own work was only a superficial representation of what was told to him would come. The baptism of John could not save anyone from the punishment for that which we are born with, the human nature. It is the nature of man that has been judged already and will soon be punished, which is why God told John who Jesus was, the one who would baptize with the Holy Spirit, the one who gives the mark of acceptance into heaven. Without it, there is no acceptance into heaven. When we follow the commandment of the Lord in the action of water baptism, we are pronouncing to the world, that is all of man, humankind, anthropos, that we have accepted as true the biblical account of the person and work of Jesus the Christ. That is what we are doing. When we accept as true the biblical account of the person and work of Jesus the Christ, it is in the face of the Almighty God, the one that always was and is and that will always be. Jesus himself pronounces you belong to me. That's awesome. That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The mark of acceptance into heaven, the kingdom of God. A mark no one can purchase with money. A mark you and I cannot pretend to have. We need to ask ourselves a series of questions. Do I in fact have the mark of the Holy Spirit? Or is it something else? Does what I have match up with what the Bible says it should be? And lastly, where am I reading in the Bible? None of these questions can be answered correctly without looking into what the Holy Spirit has to say about himself, which can only be found in the collection of writings that he himself has put together. The Word of God, the Bible. If we are not reading the Bible. It is clearly something else that has taken up the time that you have been given charge of. I say that too many Christians have directed their lives in search and study for the who, the what, the when, the where, and the how the mark of the beast will come about, especially in times like the ones we are living in now. Which, by the way, the mark of the beast is really only mentioned within a small portion of the Bible. Yet, it has taken up the majority of the time and thought of the Christian's life, resulting in living a fearful and discouraged life. I am here to say, Christians, we have a mark, and he is alive and working in the life of every believer, and to all others who are watching that have hesitated to make Jesus to be the Lord of your life for whatever reason you have. I want you to see as we read together through the Gospel of John that the Holy Spirit of the living God has only one responsibility, to transform you to the likeness of whom it is the living God recognizes as himself. And what John the Baptist had come to see for himself. 
and what John the Gospel writer had come to see for himself also what you and I are lovingly called to come and see for ourselves. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, the Son of God, Jesus, whose name means Yahweh is salvation, whose name means the Lord is salvation. For the very purpose that the writer has made effort to record for us what he knew was the gospel, the good news was that we would also come to know for ourselves what he heard, tested, and found to be true. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Today, we as Christians are testing less and less what it is we are being told about the living God. It is more than possible that we as Christians have allowed the world around us to dictate what our relationship with the living God should in fact look like. With no research on our part as Christians, we are too easily accepting as fact that which is absurd. And by definition, absurdity is this, ridiculously unreasonable or unsound, extremely silly having no rational or orderly relationship to human life. It has nothing to do with what the Bible has said. It has nothing to do who the Bible talks of. It has nothing to do who the Word of God is, who came to give his life for you and me. I am encouraging you, if we say that we love the Lord, then we would know that it is because the Lord loved us First, the same writer to the Gospel of John as to the revelation of Jesus Christ also wrote that in his first epistle. First epistle of John, chapter 4, verse 19, he wrote, We love him because he first loved us. And if we know that he loved mankind first, then we would know what he left for us as his word which is the only collection of writings that proclaims and proves time and time again to be of him. Read your Bible. And if you don't have one, get one. It is how we are led in this life, even through any event that may come our way. That's going to conclude our reading today. However, I would like to read this last passage to comfort each and every one of us that may have been blessed by this message. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. And he does it for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will fear no misrepresentation of the word of God. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
everything was initiated by him. We receive it. If you haven't made the Lord Jesus Christ the master of your life, you can. Ask him into your life. And as you continue reading together through the Bible with us here at Pack Mule for Christ Ministries or anyone else who is reading through the Bible, learn to know who God is. Learn to know who Jesus is. Learn to know who the Holy Spirit transforms you to be. Nothing more than like him.